This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. You know, none of us are meant to walk this rich journey of our Catholic faith alone. And the Lord has established His Church so we can journey together, offering encouragement, inspiration, support, and spiritual direction to one another. And that's what the hour ahead is all about. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today here on The Inner Life. I'm happy to be with you, and I look forward to growing in faith with you over the next hour as we together talk about Eucharistic Adoration. Are you a regular adorer? How did it become part of your spiritual journey? How have you grown in faith, hope, and love through spending time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament? I have had times of adoration, and especially the ones in the very early morning hours. I can say that those hours have been a real gift to me and to my faith in our Lord Jesus. Let's say hello to our spiritual director today. It's Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Father Griffin, welcome to The Inner Life. Good to have you with us again. Thank you, Patrick. It's good to be back. Wonderful. Let's kick off with just, there may be some folks listening and they don't know about Eucharistic adoration. So what is adoration as a type of prayer? And specifically, what is Eucharistic adoration, Father? Sure. Excuse me. I mean, in a certain respect, all prayer is uh, a form of adoration, right? It's this way that we are recognizing the, uh, that God is God and, and we are not. And, and, and there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but it's really, in a way, all prayer is this way of recognizing and adoring our Lord as Creator. But in the Catholic understanding, and in in, when we speak about adoration, off, that's usually the term we use. I mean, the technical term is exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. When we actually take out the host from the tabernacle, the consecrated host, and it's a, it's a large one that we typically use, and place it into what hopefully is a beautiful uh, container for it called a monstrance, uh, and that just comes from the word to, you know, like demonstrate, monstrance to show, right? So, so it shows the Blessed Sacrament, so, you, so people can be in the pews <clears throat> and, and adoring our Lord in a, in a way sort of face-to-face, right, that, that, that we have the sacramental presence of Jesus there uh, visible for all to see, and it's a very incarnational way to, to pray um, in, the, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. So typically when people say adoration uh, as Catholics, that's what, that's what we're referring to. And maybe we should flesh out, too, the whole idea of a holy hour, Father. What's a holy hour? You know, I think the, uh, the idea of a holy hour really is to have this time set aside, which we have committed to. Um, one who made this very popular in a, pop, in a public way was, was uh, Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen, who uh, really saw its fruit in his own life, where he would take an hour every day, and in front of the Blessed Sacrament, not necessarily uh, in exposition or adoration, but just it, with the Blessed Sacrament. And it wasn't, it wasn't time to, um, you know, read his breviary or pray his rosary. And, you know, as important as those things are, it was just personal conversational time with the Lord. And he did that for an hour a day for essentially his whole priesthood. And it, and it did wonders in his life, and he would testify to, the, to what it did. 
And so the holy hour is really a way of thinking about sort of a, a, a giving of a portion of our day, uh, and, and usually it, it, to be an hour. And, and so many people have taken it up. Uh, many people do it a holy hour every single day. Um, a lot of priests and religious do that, but also a lot of lay people. Uh, some people will do a holy hour maybe once a week at a, at a parish or at a, a chapel that may be nearby their home, which has adoration, maybe even perpetual adoration. And so taking some time aside and making it a kind of a sacrifice of a certain amount, not just as long as I feel like praying, but in fact saying, no, I commit myself to praying an hour each you know, or for this period of time. I think that's, that's what it refers to more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, Father... Uh... I, you may not know this, but uh, I am a convert to the Catholic faith from uh, a Protestant tradition, and I'm specifically, you know, in, as part of my Protestant faith, I grew in love and relationship with the Lord uh, very much through the prayer times, the times that I would set aside in my own home, usually, for, for prayer, for reflection, for um, meditating upon the scriptures, that sort of thing. But entering the Catholic Church, this whole idea of Eucharistic adoration was was somewhat new, somewhat novel here. Uh, it made total sense to me, as I have come to believe, that yes, the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus himself. Um, but it did, it flexed some different muscles, I guess I could say, that there is, you know, it, uh, it stretched me in new ways to be there present. But Actually, the fruits of it were were amazing. In uh, in retrospect, I've really seen how that's really added to my my life of faith. So, let me ask you: Why is it why is it different, or why is it more significant to spend this time in front of the Blessed Sacrament, in front of Jesus present to us in the Blessed Sacrament? Yeah, and 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 it's so true what you say that it does sort of stretch. That's a good way of putting it. Sort of stretches different muscles than maybe people are accustomed to. It certainly. Um, it's a both-and thing. I mean, that we should also be praying at home and uh, before bed and after we get up in different times and praying the scriptures at home. Sure. And, but there is something kind of different about And part of what makes it different, incidentally, is, I mean, it, when, we te- when we speak about the Blessed Sacrament, receiving it, we call it Holy Communion, because there's something that unites us, in, in, it unites us, first of all, to the Lord and unites us also to each other. So especially when Catholics come together and they're praying before the Blessed Sacrament, uh, and above all, when he's exposed on the altar, um, there, there is a union that happens with him individually, but also with each other. So there, first of all, there's that kind of communal sense of the Church being members of the Church together. It's not just an, an isolated kind of me and Jesus sort of uh, approach to the faith, that we are uh, part, of a family of, part of the family of God. Um, obviously, it unites us uh, to him as well, and that above all, you know, who is our best friend and, <laughs> and our God and our Creator and our Father, so the, the first reason really is, is that of kind of building up the friendship with God uh, and unity with the Church. Um, you know, and I think we do so in a particular way in the, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, because that's kind of how we are made. You mentioned kind of different muscles being stretched. Well, one of those muscles that is, a, that is I think, distinctively Catholic um, and ancient is a very incarnational or sacramental understanding of the faith, that it's not... That it, it's not a, a kind of a cerebral religion, kind of just read your Bible and you know figure out what God, you know, Bible, uh, what is the sense of the, 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 I forget how what's, <laughs> what the term comes, but basically this is your handbook for life, you know, and right. and you just sort of read this thing, you figure out what you need to do. Now that's not really how we see we see this world kind of saturated in grace and f- physically too, you know, that that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and and the first heaven and the first earth will pass away, of course, you know, but that doesn't mean that there aren't kind of anticipations of that here and now. And so the sense that we are very much not just kind of souls dwelling in a body, but that our body is very much how God made us. He wants us to be incarnated spirits, you know, or excarnated souls, however you want to look at it. 
And so the things around us that we touch, and above all the sacraments, are ways that we are able to, in a very human way, touch God. And so when we are in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, there is a physicality to it that is deeply human and at the same time deeply divine. And so we're in the presence of Jesus, who promised never to leave us orphans. Um, and when, we, when we're in his sacramental presence, there is um, a, a unique way in which we are, are present in more than just more than just in our mind, even more than just in our heart, we're also now present to him and he present to us in a physical way. So I think that sort of gropes around it a little bit, but I think that those are some of the reasons why this is so so distinctively and so beautiful and so unique in the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. I know you're a convert as well, being mm-hmm. raised Presbyterian, as was I. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. Father, in your own experience, uh, when did you first start discovering Eucharistic adoration? Yeah, great question. I mean, I I, uh, I guess I discovered it at some point during while I was... I was in college at the time that I, that I converted to Catholicism, but really it wasn't until I got to the seminary when I had this experience of daily Eucharistic adoration and the effect that it, that it has had in my life and I think has had in many people's lives. Um, of that sort of daily, sometimes I've heard it called, you know, like radiation therapy. You know, you're, <laughs> you're just there and you're yeah. just receiving, you're just receiving our Lord. You don't even have to necessarily think about much or do much or kind of, you don't have any achievement, you know, or, you know, that was a good prayer or bad prayer. It's just like somehow being there in his presence and especially being there with your brothers in the case of the seminary or obviously brothers and sisters in a parish. There's something about doing that, that it's rejuvenating. And I found that certainly to be true in my own life. And so, I mean, now, for example, I'm the rector of a, rector of a seminary, and we have adoration every day. And it's, it's the, after Mass, it's the linchpin of our day. And it just mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. It sure does. Our spiritual director today is Father Carter Griffin from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And we are talking about Eucharistic adoration. So do you spend time in Eucharistic adoration? How has spending time in adoration changed? Perhaps the way you pray, or how has it deepened your relationship with the Lord? How have you experienced God's presence and love in Eucharistic adoration? We'd love to hear from you. Join the conversation by calling us at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And maybe you have a question, too, about uh, some things that you can do during Eucharistic adoration or how to enrich your experience of Eucharistic adoration, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email Inner life at relevantradio.com. Father, as, as you're talking about that, as you're talking about uh, entering into Eucharistic adoration, I know one of the fruits that I've seen in my own life is a, a sense of um, peace, a sense of calm that I found in the adoration chapel that I have, uh, I really haven't found outside of that place. There's, uh, mm. there's uh, a, that sense of the presence of the Lord that uh, kind of permeates. And, and so I guess I'm not even saying that it has, you know, given me better words to pray or drawn me closer in uh, through my own abilities, but it's, it's certainly a time of reception, isn't it? I think very much so. You know, there's a, there's a delightful story about John Vianney that you may have heard, and Whatever he was, he's I get to sort of paraphrasing it now, but basically, he was a simple guy, a peasant, you know, who was in the in the church. And and John Vanney asked him one time, "What are you What are you praying about, or what are you doing, what are you thinking about?" And and he and and he said, "I just I look at God, and He looks at me, you know." And mm-hmm. that sense of simplicity of the whole thing, there's nothing that complicated. I think sometimes people are a little bit afraid of prayer because they're afraid they're going to do it wrong, you know, or <laughs> they're right. not going to get. They're not going to kind of get the results that they're hoping for. And, you know, we don't think that way about any other relationship in our life. You know, like, well, I'm not going to go see my best friend, you know, because I might, I might say the wrong thing. I might get it wrong. It's like, of course not. You know, that's, he's, and this is better than your best friend. <laughs> this is actually your best friend. And he's not looking for achievements. He's not looking for, like, the right words. He's not looking for techniques. He just wants us, you know. Um, and, 
in that sense, you know, from from St. Paul, I, I, I seek not what is yours, but you, you know, and that's that's Jesus with each of us. He seeks not what is ours, but us. And to have some time in front of him is a great gift to ourselves. And in, in a sense, it's a gift to the Lord. And it's the one that he wants above all, which is the gift of our hearts. So, yeah, that receptivity that you speak about, I think everyone who has the experience of adoration um, kind of senses that. Even, even if they are a little bit skeptical about it, I think there's just something different about being in the presence of the Lord in his sacramental presence. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say that's been true in my life, certainly. And, uh, and, but yet there is this sense of, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a, well, I am certainly an extrovert by nature and, uh, and to, to actually commit to spending, well, even if it isn't, it isn't a whole holy hour, maybe it's just a, a few moments with the Lord in Eucharistic adoration, but certainly the idea of spending a holy, holy hour with him at, at first was a little intimidating. So I wasn't quite sure of of what to do, of how to do that. So um, maybe do you have some tips on, on if we're going to commit ourselves to Eucharistic adoration or even if we're just going to try it out, what should what should we plan on doing while we're there? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I do think it's good. I mean, there's, there's, it's a great thing to stop in, you know, so just to make quick visits, you know, if you're passing a chapel, especially if there's a Blessed Sacrament, um, and above all, if there's adoration, you'd come in and just spend three or four minutes but there's something, and, and that's great. Uh, it's a great practice, very Catholic thing to do. But another thing is, is this kind of more intentional and longer period of time that you're speaking of, which I think it's okay for people to sort of stretch themselves a little bit. I think we can be a little bit easy on ourselves as they're like, well, because sometimes you need a little bit of time to kind of get through that initial period of sort of settling down and wondering what I'm doing here and, you know, what words to use. And then to kind of get on the other side of that and just enter into kind of the peace of his presence. So I think to say, you know, I'm going to commit to half an hour or an hour is, I think, uh, a good thing to do. And I think basically everyone can do this. Um, we live in an extraordinarily distracted kind of frenetic life, you know, age. And I think there is something in everyone that kind of craves this. So to, you know, offer that side of you that wants to crave this, offer it this relief. Um, I think specifically there's, <clears throat> I, I think we can, uh, we can bring anything we want to the, to the prayer. We can bring what's going on in our life, some struggles that we're having, um, some joys that we're having, some, you know, maybe a, a relationship that we're, uh, that we're concerned about and, and talking to our Lord, you know, interceding for our loved ones, for our family members. Um, all of these are ways. I mean, I, I, I always find helpful, especially for beginning uh, in prayer, you know, the acronym uh, ACTS, A-C-T-S, Mm-hmm. and, um, you know, different versions of this. But essentially, these are the four parts of, of, of prayer. Adoration, um, which is just simple prayer and praise with the Lord. Contrition, you know, sorrow for our sins. Thanksgiving, I mean, who doesn't have, you know, so much that they can give thanks to God for? No matter how many struggles and sufferings there might be, there's always more to give thanks for. And then supplication, right? Basically interceding for our needs and for the needs of our loved ones, for the needs of of the world. Right? So ACTS would be a great way to just let's, I'm going to go in there and, and go through these four parts of prayer. Um, obviously the scriptures are another one. You can do the readings of the day and just maybe slowly read the gospel and see what it's, what it says to you and in your heart and responding to the Lord in a simple kind of Alexio Divina. Right. So those are, and, 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 and I think not, um, and we can talk about distractions here because obviously those will come up. Mm-hmm. But but again, not being too worried uh, about kind of the achievement of prayer. And I think that, that that's what holds most people back is that they have expectations that they've set for themselves, and then they feel like they've disappointed those expectations, and then they're reluctant to go back. And that's those expectations are completely of our own creation. They're not coming from God. Mm-hmm. Very good. 
Well, uh, we do. I do want to dig into distractions and what we can do to uh, to get through them, Father. But before that, let's uh, take a phone call. Jessica is calling in from Sacramento, California. Jessica, welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Hi, um, I was actually calling to ask what adoration means in the church. Um, is it just like kind of like admiring uh, the cross, or is it going to be a lot more than that? Yeah. Okay, Jessica. That's a, I mean, it's a very basic, and it's a very like, you're, that's great because you're like going back like, well, what what in fact are we doing here? And and those four different parts of prayer that I spoke about, actually, all of them in a way are kind of a subset right, of of adoration, right? So part of it is is acknowledging God, um, which includes admiration, but it's also a there is a a sense of of submitting ourselves to Him, right? It's recognizing in humility that, as I said earlier, God is God and, and we are not. And so adoring is, and that's why you have this sort of the image of adoring as somebody on their knees, for example, right? That, that kind of classic, traditional sort of p- posture of submission. And so there is submission, um, but the, the adoration that, that we give to the God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ is not the submission of a slave, but the submission of a son or daughter, um, which is a loving submission and a grateful submission. Um, and a uh, and, and a submission that that does include contrition for sins and 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 supp, supp, supplications for all of our needs. So it's it's an acknowledgement of His greatness and of His might and of His power, of His beauty, of His goodness, uh, and and our own humility. But it's always with this in this lens of divine filiation. You know, it's always within this lens of knowing that He is a Father who loves us. You know, <laughs> to distraction, <laughs> and and that so that the adoration is kind of it's. It's sort of all of that. You know, it's bringing ourselves to the Lord and letting him be the Lord to us. Uh, it's a great question, Jessica. Thanks for, for asking it. Yeah, it is. And Jessica, does that help? Does that help uh, flesh it out a little bit more for you? Uh, yeah, you know, I I was uh, kind of just wondering what the, the basic meaning had been. I didn't know if it was going to be about the whole church or just what it was. So uh, thank you very much for answering my question. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks for calling in, Jessica. We appreciate it. If you would like to call in, ask questions about Eucharistic adoration, if you would like to share your own experiences of adoration and how it has helped you in your life of faith, give us a call. Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We're talking about Eucharistic adoration here on The Inner Life today with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back with more right after this. Stay with us. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today and with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Spent time time in uh, the U.S. Navy as a line officer prior to entering the seminary and ordained to the priesthood in 2004. And we're speaking today about Eucharistic adoration. And we have another phone call. Let's go to Bonnie, who's calling in from Illinois. Bonnie, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, thank you, and thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say um, that when I first started doing adoration, I had an hour, and I thought, what am I going to do for that whole hour? And now I have a two-hour adoration, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, the two-hour goes way too fast. So one day I ended up doing a three-hour because someone couldn't come in, 
And the same thing happened. The three hours went by in just a second. I thought, oh my gosh, where did the time go? You know? And also, I do have a little question. You know, I'm there by myself I'm there because I'm there in the middle of the night. And I have to admit, when someone else comes in with my hours, I'm like, I'm almost like, um, it's, it's almost like I'm jealous because I want to be with Jesus all by myself. I don't know. Is that is that supposed to be that way? I don't know. <laughs> I love your, uh, that's the best addiction in the world to have. I can't get enough of this. I always want more. Yeah, and that, I, that does tend to happen. You know, and, and the more you, time you spend in adoration, the more your your whole kind of soul and, and even body sort of settles into it. And um, obviously we, we can't spend our whole day in adoration. We have to go out and also do other things that the Lord is asking us to do uh, in our lives and our duties and our families families and so forth. But but to have that beautiful sense, and it's always, it's a great thing to get to the end of your hour or maybe two hours in prayer um, and sort of wish that you had more time, you know, and then kind of you go away and kind of looking forward to the next time back. It's a great gift, but it's one that the Lord gives to faithful souls who are docile to his Holy Spirit, you know, and working in him. Um, I mean, I... <laughs> I know exactly what you mean about it. like sometimes you you know you you are kind of alone with the Lord and it's and it's a beautiful thing. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think not to maybe take it too seriously. Just sort of see it as a you know if you're, if you're with a friend and and another friend walks in, it's like there's sometimes you sort of have, you know you you miss the opportunity to be alone with somebody. Um, you know, but but at the same time to to consciously rejoice in the fact that another another friend has just walked in. You know, another another son or daughter of God has just walked in and to and to make it sort of an intentional thing to rejoice in that fact that somebody else is here also praying with you. And as I said, you know, there's there's a point of the adoration is not just union with God, but also union with each other. And so seeing this as maybe the, in this other person as a almost like a representative of the larger church, you know, and, and in, in our adoration we're building up a store of grace not just for ourselves, but for for the whole church, really. And, and so the more faithful souls we have praying, uh, the better off uh, we all are. So I don't know if that helps, Bonnie, but <laughs> it's a beautiful witness that you've given, though. I think that's great, Bonnie. I, I do appreciate your testimony. And perhaps, Father, one of the things we can get from Bonnie's testimony is that um, maybe we shouldn't—well, I, I, I would assume we should not be discouraged if uh, if we try out adoration once and, you know, and it just— it seems to drag on and you're not sure what to do and you're a little, you know, uh, disheveled, I suppose, maybe spiritually, um, because we do, we can and do grow in our practice of Eucharistic adoration, don't we? Absolutely. That's a great reminder, you know, uh, Patrick, because just, you, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things, it's a habit that's built over time. And let's face it, even some of the great saints talked about being extraordinarily dry and distracted in prayer, you know, just like looking at the seconds go by as if each one was, you know, just sort of dragging on and on and on. And yet, to be faithful in that, to be faithful to the Lord, to our committed time of prayer, uh, despite the fact that it's no longer, you know, quote-unquote fun. Uh, there's a beautiful, there's a delightful story of a young English seminarian who went into a church in Rome, at the time of St. Philip Neri, this was about 500 years ago, went in there and did his mental prayer, and Philip Neri, who could read souls, was up in the balcony, and you know, the young man didn't know he was up there, but we basically spent 30 minutes or whatever it was, an hour, it, you know, just distraction after distraction after distraction. And, but he was faithful, and he stuck it out to the end, and he just told the Lord in his heart of hearts, he says, I, I just want to be with you, Lord. Gets up and starts to walk out at the end of his prayer, and Philip Neri from the balcony starts clapping, you know, because <laughs> he, he saw what was going on in his heart. And I, I've always seen that as just a great story about uh, fidelity in our prayer. And, um, and maybe this is a time I can just mention a couple things about distractions, Patrick, if that's yeah, all right. Yeah, please. Yes, great. Because I think, you know, the first thing to keep in mind is that everybody gets distractions. Everybody. Um, 
you know, no matter how great a saint that they are, they all talk about distractions. And so to not see them as like, I'm a failure or I'm doing something wrong or, you know, to just be very, uh, in a sense, gentle with yourself, right? The distractions will come. It's a question of what we do with them. And I think the first thing is we just gently, like that young seminarian in Rome, you know, we just gently turn ourselves back to the Lord, right? And and that that process of turning back to the Lord, there's a name for that. It's called conversion. <laughs> and so if you spend 30 minutes or an hour, you know, kind of, in a sense, fighting off distractions and just gently turning back to the Lord whenever you realize that, you know, you're thinking about the recipe for, you know, cake that you're making later that day, and just gently turn back to the Lord. And if you do that 50 times in 50 minutes, um, that's a beautiful prayer. And it's a, it, it may be the most beautiful, you know, it'll be, I'll be very interested when we go to heaven, please God, to know what was the most beautiful prayer, everybody, <laughs> because I suspect it'll be very different than we thought the one, you know, that would, with all the consolations and everything. So the first thing is just gently turning back. And then the other thing that can be done is, I think there are two other things. One is, um, I, re- I remember reading in a book somewhere, I don't remember where, but in a sense, look over the shoulder of the distraction, right? Sort of let the distractions in front of you, it just won't go away and you keep turning back to the Lord. And in a sense, it's better not to sort of push it away or use any sort of violence. Just let it, let, it's like a, like a child, you know, sort of having a tantrum. You know, you, you, you can't really reason with the child at that point, right? And so you have to kind of just keep, keep going. And so the, the, the distraction's right in front of you, but you can kind of look over the shoulder and just at, at our Lord. Um, and sometimes it's helpful, the fathers tell us, you know, to, to pray about our distractions, because sometimes our distractions can reveal to us what our gods are. You know, what are the things that we put before God? And so looking at that and sort of saying, well, maybe I'm focused a little bit too much. Let me pray about that and talk to Jesus about that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes our distractions themselves can become kind of a content, you know, for, um, for our prayer. And then one last thing, and that is, you know, there are books that are helpful for meditation, um, particularly in the, in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. There's some beautiful little uh, books by St. Josemaria Scriva, you know, little points of the, uh, where you can bring to your prayer from the way, the fur, and the forge. Uh, Cardinal Francis uh, Nien Van Tuan, who is a, he's dead now, but he, he wrote a beautiful book called Five Loaves and Two Fish, kind of the same sort of idea. Um, or maybe some other book, you know, that you're, you don't turn mental prayer into reading, but I think sometimes reading a few lines of something and then talking to Jesus about it can be a way of kind of uh, punching through some of those distractions as well. Mm, Yeah, that's great. Great advice. And like you say, you know, we're all, none of us who are, are prayers at all are, are unfamiliar with distractions. So I I love the advice that you're giving father, father Carter Griffin is our spiritual director today here on the inner life. As we're talking about Eucharistic adoration, if you have a way that adoration has really given you a boost in your life of faith, if it's a regular practice of yours, or if you're new to the practice and maybe you've never tried it and have questions about it, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Colleen, who's calling in from Portland, Oregon. Colleen, welcome to The Inner Life. Oh, thank you. Thank you, and good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Yes, I I had a, a very strong mystical experience with my first adoration. I'm a, I'm a revert. I, I came back to the church only three years ago after being away for 50 years. And um, I, I knew nothing about adoration. I didn't know what that was. So it was, we were just starting into Lent and I saw in the schedule that there was going to be this adoration. And I thought, well, 
I've got a half hour before choir practice, so I'm going to go check this out and see what this is all about. So I went into the church, and the monstrances had just been exposed. I had never seen one, um, and so I, you know, I I kneel in in one of the pews, and I'm just kneeling there, gazing at it, wondering what is this all about. And mind you, I I knew intellectually that Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament. I, I knew that from, you know, eight years of Catholic school. So, uh, you know, I'm just kneeling there looking at it going, what is this all about? And then the Lord spoke very strongly in my head. I heard the words. He said, I am here. Hmm. And I just looked at it and I go, wow. Uh, (laughs) Okay, you really are there. I know that in my heart now. I know that he is there. And that changed everything for me, from how I received communion to how to to my whole take on on the faith. And it has deepened my faith to such an extent that, in, you know, I can't live without the Eucharist. I don't want to live without the Eucharist. And I just I love adoration. I go I go every week that we have it. And, and Colleen, have you found have that, 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 that that kind of experience has continued, or is are you oh, yes. Um, yes. has that sort of mystical experience continued? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks to me quite often, um, and um, that that was that was not the first mystical experience I've had with him um, or mm-hmm. our, or Our Lady, but um, that was the first involving the Eucharist and right. is telling you that, yes, I am here. And I think something like that can be, it's a beautiful story, Colleen, and, you know, especially after 50 years being away from the faith and having that kind of particular privilege of hearing, you know, of hearing that, that is a sort of thing which is a gift uh, to you, but it's also a gift to the Church as a whole, because, that's, you know, the, the Lord ordinarily reveals Himself in uh, more subtle ways, and you know, and through and through faith, uh, and 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 that vision of faith, which we've all been given, that virtue of faith, we've been given uh, that power of spiritual of spiritual gaze uh, in our baptism, is something that the Lord wants to stretch. You know, and so while it may be that we have the experiences of of different uh, saints through the ages, or different Eucharistic miracles through the ages, and and also the testimonies of um, of people like yourselves, you know that 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 everyone else can have a little bit more kind of confidence that they can trust what their what their faith is telling them um, because it's true. Um, there's a uh, there's a great story I heard it somewhere that a, a Catholic lady brought her Protestant friend to to benediction and um, and the priest of course is raising the monstrance and and the Protestant lady has no idea what's going on and but she feels something like a force come from the center of the monstrance and hit her in the chest. And in the middle of benediction, the Protestant lady asks her friend, she says, what is that? And uh, her friend just looks at her and she says, it's complicated. I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think there, there, is, there is certainly something very real there. And yet in most of our experiences, it's going to be a very gentle and uh, even hidden kind of force speaking in the quiet of our hearts. 
So thank you for that beautiful testimony, Colleen. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you for, for calling in and joining the conversation. If you would like to and to share some thoughts about what you have experienced or questions that you have about Eucharistic Adoration, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Buddy now, who's calling in from St. Michael in Arizona. Buddy, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, yeah. Well, for one, I'm a convert. It's been two years uh, from Protestantism. Um, and one of the things that really um, made me convert was the Eucharist. Um, I, I'd read the Mass, uh, what's the book? The Lamb's Supper, The Mass is Heaven on Earth by Scott Hahn. And that just sparked the real um, interest in the Mass and in the Eucharist. Um, and before that, I was just ardently anti-Catholic. You know, I was one of those people that would pass around gospel tracts you know, saying why Catholicism isn't isn't true. Um, but again, upon reading that book, I, I feel that the Lord uh, just really drew me um, into the Catholic Church. Um, I had a question about contemplative prayer. I know it's a specific type of prayer, and I wanted um, more clarification, more information on contemplative prayer. Sure. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks for the... Uh... For the call and 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 your own testimony about the role of the Eucharist in your own conversion to the faith and and that's I think a reminder to uh, everyone, including those who are church-going Catholics, you know that that the Eucharist has this power to uh, to bring us into a deeper union with the Lord, you know, to to help us to convert or revert as the case may be. But we're all in need of conversion constantly, you know, and to go back to the Eucharist constantly as a way of of kind of seeking that grace, the grace of conversion that that you found so powerfully from from even an anti-Catholic past. But yeah, I mean, contemplative prayer is, uh, of course, it's it's like a word like meditation or, or, or mental prayer. It's a vast term that can mean all kinds of different things. But I think ultimately, you know, uh, when you're talking about, when most people think about contemplative prayer, they're talking about the quiet and gentle resting in the Lord, uh, in which words are used less and less frequently, even to the point of just a simple gaze. You know, if, um, you know, there's, uh, if you've ever been in a situation where you're kind of in what some people call like flow or something like that, where you're just, you know, you, like a, an hour goes by and you, you just don't know where it went, you know, maybe you're enjoying something, you're doing something you're really good at, or you're with friends, whatever it might be, that kind of experience is in a natural realm, analogous to what con- contemplation is in the supernatural realm, that we have this place where we just enter into in silence. And like I say, there could be very few words or even no words. Uh, maybe just a, a kind of an, uh, a feeling, you know, it may just be uh, a, an, an aspiration that we make to the Lord, and, and suddenly kind of we're off, you know. And, and contemplation is something that is not reserved for, you know, a few saints or, or just for contemplative nuns or something like that. It's, it's really the, it's the patrimony of every, of every Christian, that, that the Lord wants to bring us into that deeper union with Him, which is contemplative. And so we, to take the time... Uh, in in especially ador- especially Eucharistic adoration, and offering Him our lives and our hearts, and kind of setting ourselves up sometimes using vocal prayers, um, our, our own conversational prayer, but all of it sort of can lead if we are patient, can lead to these quiet moments of deeper contemplation. So there is, I mean, the, the, the tradition will talk about the difference between. Um, acquired contemplation and the contemplation that we received infused, you know, which is a direct gift from God. But the fact is that contemplation in one form or another is something that I think with, 
with patience and with uh, a, a desire, you know, and willingness to kind of be docile to the world, to the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, um, everyone everyone can enjoy. Yeah, that's very good. That's a that's a good question, buddy. And moving us into contemplation, uh, that's that's one of the places, at least for for my own part, is that uh, it's a unique experience again to be there in the presence of the Lord during Eucharistic adoration. And uh, I think it's an important question. So thank you, buddy. Thank you for the call. And uh, just t- kind of tying that in, what your response to Buddy was, as well as uh, Colleen's experience of sensing the voice of the Lord, kind of having a, a mystical experience of of, uh, of the Lord speaking to her directly. Um, but I, I've got to say, Father, this is just an admission from my own heart, is that I talked earlier about the sense of peace that comes um, when, I, when I go to Eucharistic adoration. And I'm, as, I'm, as I'm placing myself in the Lord's presence, as I'm trying to quiet my, my heart and my mind, and I'm trying to adore him present to me in the Blessed Sacrament, I'm going to be honest and say... There have been a few times, at least, where I've found myself nodding off, <laughs> and I guess is I guess my question is: is that should I be actively fighting against that, or is is that disrespectful to our Lord? Very disrespectful. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's. Uh, I mean, it's Patrick. <laughs> I, think, you know, uh, I figured you could say that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think that there are um, obviously we're not like going in there in order to take a nap, you know, you're, no, you're going right, in there yeah. in order to pray. And, and the Lord, you know, looks at us as, as, a, as a loving father on his son or daughter. And, you know, what father is going to scold his son or daughter for, you know, nodding off when they're, you know, when they're spending some time together. But I would, I would say that it's, it's good to, to do the best we can to kind of have um, kind of fodder for our prayer and, you know, to have some things to, that we can bring to the Lord. Um, if we find ourselves consistently falling asleep, then, you know, trying to, whatever, have a cup of coffee sure. before going in or, you know, trying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, right. but the fact is that there are going to be times when we're just very tired. And, and I think to, um, to, to not be, to not lose our peace over it, you know, mm. um, okay. to not lose our peace over it, just to be, uh, you know, to, to sort of present ourselves. This is, this is where I am, Lord. You know, it's just, I probably should have gotten a better night's sleep last night, or maybe I should have had a cup of coffee, but here we are. And, you know, this is, this is, you, you know me, Lord, through and through. You know me better than I know myself. And mm-hmm. we, can, we can trust that he looks at us with that deep pride and love and joy of a good father. Because I think people can get a little bit kind of worked up about things like that, or the distractions question, or, you know, and, or again, just sort of dryness, or not knowing what to say, or feeling like you're saying it wrong. Um, and it's just, that is, that's all us. That's not from God. Uh, and so being being very much at peace with those different things. And this is where sometimes like having something like a book, you know, where you just read a few sentences and kind of pray about it um, without, you know, turning it into spiritual reading. But I think that can be that can be very helpful, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things I found, too. So thank you. Thank you for that, Father. I appreciate your your uh, commentary on that as well. We're speaking with Father Carter Griffin uh, from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., whose latest books, by the way, Cross-Examine Catholic Responses to the World's Questions and Forming Fathers, Seminary Wisdom for Every Priest. They're available now. Um, so check those out as well. We're going to continue the conversation about Eucharistic Adoration. Our, tr- our phone number here is 888-914-9149. If you have ways that you'd like to share about what adoration is meant to you, or if you have questions for our spirit director, Father Griffin, we are going to continue the conversation right after this short break. Stick around. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF. 
an Illinois life insurance society not licensed in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and also to Sarah Tafoya and Cyrus Simcoe, who are taking your phone calls today. Thanks for this team effort as we are growing together in the faith by talking about Eucharistic adoration with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, from the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Let's go back to the phones. Kevin is calling in from Florida. Kevin, welcome to The Inner Life. Good to have you with us. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, my question is, I'm ex- I, I, I feel like on my parish, they do adoration pretty much every Friday for a few hours in the morning. And I feel called to, to go that, to go there. And usually I don't know exactly why I go. <laughs> and then the other thing, the, the, the basic question that I have is sometimes I'm, when I'm at home at night, um, I'll get, I'll feel like I need to go to adoration. Uh, and then I, I'll, I'll go to like, an online place and find like EWTN has a live site. And I'm just wondering, is that kind of the same? Because sometimes I'm there and like, I'm here. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. Uh, and is Jesus here too, I guess. Right. Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, that, that's a, it's a, it's a really interesting question because, you know, this is also the, the larger question about like the online uh, masses and everything like that, that began uh, to multiply, especially during COVID. Um, Obviously, you know, they're, they're not the same. Um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to, to watch an online mass or watch a homily online or, or even, I, I, you know, to, to look at um, a filming of the, even live, of the Blessed Sacrament being exposed on an altar. Um, and there can be fruits that come from those things. There can be graces that come from those things for sure, right? We can receive the graces of the preaching of the homily. We can receive the graces of spiritual communions in our hearts. We can receive the graces of knowing that Jesus is in our heart and dwelling in our heart, Holy Spirit, you know, the Blessed Trinity and dwelling in our heart. And we can commune with him while we gaze upon a, an image of him on our screen. But none of those things are the same thing as being at Mass or being at Adoration. And I think it's a, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a really, <laughs> it's a very relevant point right now. And I think a lot of folks are thinking, and some folks have not, although there's no real health concerns, they just are not going back to Mass because it's far more convenient to turn it on the TV and, uh, or the computer. And that's, and that's a huge mistake, right? Um, because, again, we're a, it's a very sacramental, incarnational religion, right? And, and we could, you know, any more than... You know, people getting getting married, you know, over over Zoom wouldn't be the same as them standing next to each other. Um, and sometimes even having a conversation over Zoom is not the same as, as having a conversation in person. There's, there's something about the physical presence that is different. And again, that in the natural world, the supernatural analogy is the sacraments. So being present for uh, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, being present for the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, is going gonna, is gonna to be... Um, it's going to be different. How is it going to be different? I mean, I think the graces are different and more abundant by being present. Obviously, there are no sacramental graces for, you know, viewing. I mean, the one can have received graces through the spiritual communion, but it's not the same thing as receiving the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus inviting us to, cons- to receive himself physically. Um, and I think for the sacrament, for the uh, exposition of the, of the Blessed Sacrament, that all that whole thing about like the physical being person to person, face to face with Jesus, isn't the same as, as gazing at him on a, on a computer screen. Mm. So I think it's not a bad thing, and graces can come from those things. Um, but I also think that it's very important that we really hold the line as Catholics and know that they're not identical. 
Very That's good. Thank yeah. yeah, good question, especially as you said in this in this day and time and, and uh, as all the things that we have been facing. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the call. Let's go now to Carol, who's calling in from Providence, Rhode Island. Carol, welcome to the Inner Life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for taking my call. Father Griffin, I'd like to share with you my uh, return back to the Lord. Um, uh, 32 years ago, um, I knew where to go for Holy Mass after I had been away for 22 years, but I was looking for more prayer time. So I stopped into a religious store and they gave me uh, three or four names. The first night I went to prayer, Eucharistic adoration was um, being exposed on the altar. And the minute I saw Jesus present on the altar, my knees, I fell right to my knees without any effort of mine. So I always thought it to be Jesus welcoming me back to and was happy to see me. I just wanted to share that with you. It's a great, great story. Thanks, Carol, for, for relating that. And you're not the first one that I've heard that of, you know, that somebody even, now in your case, I suppose it wasn't sort of conscious resistance, but even in the case sometimes of hardened sinners who refuse, you know, that sense of like, I will not serve, you know, the satanic cry, um, you know, I will not bend my knee to, to Jesus. And, and, and sometimes well-meaning people, Protestants and so forth, who may, you know, think that this is idolatry. And then they experience uh, something in a Eucharistic procession, or they go to a church with a Catholic friend, and they find themselves unable to not kneel. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a charism. It's a, it's a beautiful grace that you were given. And again, it's for your sake and also for for others that you have testified to, or that you have testified to, uh, even this afternoon. So thank you, thank you, Carol, for that beautiful witness. Yeah, thank you for that, Carol. Well, Father, as we uh, enter into the closing minutes of the show here, I wanted to ask you specifically about books on prayer or on adoration. Anything that you would recommend that would be good reading to prepare us for adoration? Yeah, yeah. one uh, one, one of the um, uh, callers mentioned Lamb's Supper, which is, uh, I think, a great one just on the Eucharist itself, especially for somebody who is, is more versed in the Scriptures, but it doesn't have to be. Scott Hahn does a beautiful job of just sort of laying it out and showing how in the book of Revelation, we really see in a mystical way the Catholic Mass being played out. Um, so mm-hmm. The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn. Um, more basically, though, I think there are a couple of books by uh, a guy named Jacques Philippe, and some listeners have, I'm sure, read some of his little short, very sort of effective books. And he's got two on prayer, which are just fantastic. One is called Thirsting for Prayer, and one is called Time for God. Um, and so his name is Jacques Philippe. And then there's also a sort of a personal favorite of mine, by a guy named Eugene Boylan, B-O-Y-L-A-N, and it's called Difficulties in Mental Prayer. Um, anyway, so these are some, they're, they're, of course, there are hundreds or thousands of great books out there. Um, and, uh, and I think, that, you know, having some, doing our spiritual reading occasionally on the practice of prayer can also just give us some tips and some more confidence as we enter into the joys of prayer. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for other spiritual reading to do in adoration or outside of adoration, let me again mention your books, Father, Cross-Examined Catholic Responses to the World's Questions, Forming Father, Seminary Wisdom for Every Priest, and even Why Celibacy, Reclaiming the Fatherhood of the Priest. Um, those are all available now uh, and written by our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Um, Father, maybe we uh, we close the show with a little thought about how to encourage people to begin. There, there may be people who have not ever tried Eucharistic adoration. Any suggestions about the right attitude, the right time, the right uh, circumstances to enter into Eucharistic adoration, and maybe even just practically how to find an adoration chapel? Sure. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think the first thing um, is to is to 
uh, yeah, find where our Lord is around you. You know, it's kind of a, it's a beautiful thing to have in our kind of mental geography anyway, of knowing where the closest tabernacle is to us. Um, you know, and, and when we're passing Catholic churches, you know, to make the sign of the cross or, or just in our hearts whisper an aspiration to our Lord who is present there in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, and wherever we live or work, perhaps, um, or both, you know, find out where the nearest church is, and uh, you can go onto their website and see, you know, maybe when masses and things like that. Many churches will have adoration at different times of the week, um, and there are, I think, in almost every diocese, there's got to be at least one perpetual adoration chapel, and certainly every diocese has some Eucharistic adoration every day, every. Uh, every week and, and maybe even every day. So finding out where that is, you might have to, you know, write to someone who you know is a Catholic who goes to adoration or maybe writing to the, to the diocese, the worship office, um, or looking on the websites. So finding out where to go, first of all, and then seeing like, well, what would work in my schedule? You know, for some people, it's going to be, you know, maybe in the middle of a workday, taking a lunch hour and fast from lunch one day and instead spend half an hour, 45 minutes with our Lord. Um, for others, it'll be, you know, three o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. It'll be, you know, when, during perpetual adoration or whatever it might be um, that works in your schedule with your other commitments and obligations. And then kind of having a, you know, sort of making it happen, figuring out the time and place, um, and then going there and with a real open heart and an open mind, just allowing the Lord, sort of allowing him in, you know, giving him access, you know, to your heart and, and to your mind. Um, and not being too complicated about it. Maybe, you know, bring the scriptures with you so you have maybe something you can read from one of the Gospels. Um, and, and just keep it very simple. And our Lord is, is, uh, is dying, uh, literally dying, I suppose, too. He's, he's, he, he wants to be with us. Um, and, and he invented this, right? He didn't have to be present in the Blessed Sacrament. He chose to be. He invented it so he could be close to you and to me. And so know that you're, you are encountering the best of friends, uh, who desires nothing more than to spend time with you, and there, he has no expectations. So go into there with that attitude, and I think it can't help but be a beautiful experience. That sounds great, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of your great advice today here on The Inner Life. We've been speaking with Father Carter Griffin about Eucharistic adoration. And uh, if you if you are just tuning in and missed the conversation, there's some great tips that uh, Father has given us this, this hour. So please feel free to go back on the Relevant Radio app on RelevantRadio.com and listen to an archived edition of the show. And uh, yeah, well, take it in, take it, take all the advice to heart, and then enter into Eucharistic adoration. Father, as you know, we always like to close the show with a blessing. So, if I may ask you to do that for us now, please. Of course, Patrick, I'd be happy to. May the blessing of Almighty God, uh, through the intercession of all the saints who loved our Lord so much in the Blessed Sacrament, especially our own patron here, Saint John Paul II, intercede for you and bless you uh, and all of our listeners and their families and loved ones, especially as we approach the joys of Thanksgiving. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Carter Griffin, we're so grateful that you joined us as our spiritual director today. And again, wonderful things. So um, do check out, if you just, if you missed the show, go, do check out the archived edition on RelevantRadio.com as well as the Relevant Radio app. Of course, we've got the Family Rosary Across America coming up 7 p.m. Central tonight. So make sure and tune in for that as well. And coming up right now, next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming to you. And uh, that's a great way of hitting the middle of the day as well. Thanks for joining us on The Inner Life. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.